Well, Happy New Year, everybody, and welcome back to the first three-film feature of 2023. This time around, because it is a special episode at the beginning of the year, you're going to have four movies to talk about. Yeah, I did a big special talking about some science fiction stuff. But before we get into Valerian and the City of a Thousand Planets or John Carter... We, of course, have to talk about Jason and the Argonauts, a really fun fantasy movie, and Bogey and Gardner's The Barefoot Contessa. All of these films are amazing, so Happy New Year. Enjoy this rendition of three-film feature with a bonus episode attached to it. Jason and the Argonauts! That's right, we're diving into... Is it the first foray into Greek mythology on this channel at all? I can't remember if I covered anything else in that genre before. I call it a genre. You know what I mean. The oldest stories ever, or some of them. You know, the, the Greek gods, anybody who is of a certain generation, especially my generation when Percy Jackson was like the it thing, you probably have a way more extensive history of the Greek gods than you should because they're popular. Everyone was like, what about a Zeus thing? What about Poseidon? What if they had a son or whatever? And we followed their adventures. Every other week we had a Hercules film. It was like the thing people did for some reason. Before all that, we had Clash of the Titans. But before that, we had Jason and the Argonauts, this big budgeted film from 1963 that follows the story of Jason, one of the heroes of the mythology of like people doing whatever trials they need to in that world. And this movie freaking rips. I love this film. <laughs> just sitting here just thinking about it. It just it just reminded me so much of like, man, we just used to make stuff without really worrying about what we were making, if that makes sense. Because nowadays we couldn't do this film without having, like, a charismatic leading man who's ripped out the wazoo with an elder statesman in the supporting role of Argos. And it's like, that's not what we need. We just need a couple of really handsome dudes in strong enough builds just on a boat. And we get a movie about it. And it's a really good movie with beautiful effects and very fascinating camera work. Like, going back and watching this today, I've always known about this film. I've seen this film. I won't say countless times, but something that has always been in my radar. I'm a Harryhausen guy. Always talk about him and the work he does. But you're seeing this film today and you're seeing like, okay, the depths of field changing, the focus changing, the way we're using either miniatures or just like embiggening things to make them look a certain way. Man, we don't make them like this anymore. And I'm not saying this is beautiful, but it's like there's so much talent put behind the scenes when people just are willing to commit so cool. So what is Jason? What is the story of Jason and the Argonauts if you're not familiar with? Well, Jason is like this young lad whose father was slain because Pelias, the villain of the piece, had a vision that he would be king, but he has to get rid of like the enemy, which is, this, you know, Jason's thing. Cut to the future. Jason is sworn like, I'm going to avenge my father. I'm going to become the, the, the ruler of this land. But in order to do that, I have to go across the world, get the golden fleece, and then come back and take it over. Yeah, it, it's just like a trial movie, and that's really fun. Like, this guy, just gets he just gets a boat, a bunch of cool guys come with him, including, like, spin-off potential if we ever got there, and they just, like, go on a mission. I'm like, that's awesome. A simple story for a bunch of cool dudes. First off, I just love how nobody is, like, 
ripped up the wazoo. It's just a bunch of strong looking guys with their chest build up and everything. They look fantastic. And Todd Armstrong, a guy who I'm not the biggest I don't know enough of his work. I, I like him. He's talented. This is like the role of his for me where I'm like, yeah, this guy's awesome. Look at him. He carries himself with the poise and grace of a theater guy. And you see that just exude onto the screen. And you're like, I understand why you choose this dude. He looks pretty, but real. And that's a really cool thing. So strong to see. So perfect. I, he just has such a dynamic face that you just recognize as, oh yeah, this guy's the main character. It's not like old school, classic Hollywood, but just a regular guy that seems extra enough where you'd want to see what he's up to. And that's kind of exciting. But don't worry. If you thought this was going to be like a clear cut case of like, okay, yeah, the guy from the story going on a mission, it is that. But it's also like, why don't we cut away to the big pool in Olympus where we see Hera and Zeus just talking about their chess pieces. They have literal chess pieces on a board that they play with and we watch them go about and do whatever they want. Again, being the era I grew up in. I know that Zeus is a prick and Hera is not the best lady herself, but this movie does a great job at showing you why Hera's like, no, let's see where this goes. This guy is kind of interesting. I want to see his story. So let's play it out. But Zeus is like, I don't really want to do that. So here's what we're going to do. You can help him, be his guide, be the vision, get him on his way. You have five chances throughout the entire story that you can help him. And he can call for you or you can do it yourself. Either way, you get five. First off, why is it so specific? Why does that matter? At the end of the day, the story is still going to, I don't know. It's such like a weird specific thing. That I'm just like, yeah, this is such bullshit, but whatever. Let's see it. Hera's awesome. Honor Blackman plays her in this film and she's so good. Just like a strong lady. It's like, um, you should head that way and then I'll get people to help you there. And he's like, awesome. Thank you. And it's like, yeah, okay cool Hera's the only one I like of the gods in this movie Zeus is just kind of a guy version of an ass and I'm like yeah that's it it's like oh woman this is for men to do and, and like ah look at him try not a game for women though is it my sweet love and you're like okay dude knock it off we get it you're a weirdo but that's not all that's happening because guess what this is a cameo movie because on the journey of Jason until he stays on the island where they have their first encounter is Hercules and I'd have to rank all my favorite interpretations of Hercules. I, I don't think I could do that right now. This dude is built like a brick. Like, he is a big dude with a really jaw face, big bushy beard, looking like a freak. And he's the one that causes the statue of Talos to come to life and attack them. And if you haven't seen this movie, or if you haven't seen it in ages, you really just don't remember how freaking awesome stop motion effects are when that statue first comes to life you're like okay it looks good it's kind of chunky it's not moving perfectly then it moves really well then it does so many good moves you're like why is this going so hard it doesn't need to go this hard but it's going this hard and then it's like okay so they fight the statue they destroy it okay then they fight some harpies against a blind man i'm like okay those harpies look good not not as good as like the actual you know big statue of talos but they look good and then they fight the hydra and the hydra looks freaking awesome the way they just integrate moving around the hydra having it actually hold people you're just like wow that is insanely beautiful like it looks cheap sure by today's standards but i could totally imagine 
being a young person when this came out and you're watching them like, wow, they're doing something unbelievable. You'd have a real visceral moment. And of course, there's other beautiful effects. The two I love the most because I'm a classic guy. I love two things. I love water, hence the name of the channel. And I love skeletons. So you have the Poseidon effect where the big Poseidon comes out of the water as like Hera interfering kind of where she's like, I actually got some friends who want to play. And then the big guy just holds up the mountains while the, the boat gets through it. I'm like, that looks amazing. It's so beautiful. You just got a big bushy guy of a fishtail coming out of the water, just holding up some mountains. And then there's like a little toy model pass through and you're like, that's so cool. We don't make them like this anymore. We, we'd have to like CG some guy super huge instead of just having a little boat go by him. Why do we do that to ourselves? Why do we take away from like this beautiful joy of a simple story happening? Like, come on, look at that. This is really cute and fun and easy. That's all I want. Like just more of that. And of course, as what well, as good as Poseidon is, and he's fantastic, you also have the skeletons, the undead of the island. Um, is it the greatest thing ever made? I, I could I could argue it is. I love every second of that. The way they move, the way they look, the way they fight off each other. Oh, just good old skeletons holding swords and shields, just slapping each other around, trying to kick a guy. I want that every day. Like, that just looks so fun. And again, Harryhausen's a guy I could do an entire video talking about because I love the work that him and his people have produced to get that quality. But it just looks so good. And when you just sit back and you think about it, like, oh, yeah, these are models built to be moved in certain motions on camera. They are moving effortlessly. They look really good. And you understand how you could protect tend or believe that those things are actually there do they look kind of out of place if like they're weird models of course they do but if you can accept that you get something pretty special don't you and it was pretty damn cool to see the action is really good too actually some blood in some scenes which i do like to see and again if you're not familiar with the story it does have a lot of good flow to it it kind of loses its momentum a bit when he's like this is medea a girl I, I met the other day we're in love it could be forever ago that they met because time has no meaning in a movie that's only an hour 40 but it's like that's still cool they still get together she's still a nice lady she still loves him she's actually has a moment where she's like I know something bad is about to happen, but this guy's kind of hot and I don't want him to die. So I'm going to betray my entire people and my goddess because I think this guy's right. And that's a interesting moment that I am genuinely surprised they left in because you could have easily just had Medea be this character who is the sex object. She doesn't have to do anything else. She's a pretty girl, the only girl in the movie that's not Hera. Like, hey, I'm helping you, buddy. An achievable kissy kissy, if you will. You don't need that moment where she has the actual learning point. You could just skip by that, but they focus on it, and it works well, and it's a cool moment, and they find the golden fleece, which is just a literal, like, it's a sheep. It's just like a, a ram or a goat, and its body is spread out, and it just turns gold sometimes, and it can heal you. It doesn't have anything else to it. I'm like, that is so cool. We try to make it too ugly today, but not just a dead animal that can glow. Like, look how perfect that is. Like, this is a movie. I love movies like this where it's just like, we get it. It's dumb. Why don't we have a scene where a guy's like, hey, Hercules, I've never thrown a discus before. Watch this. And he does good. Or it's like, what, what if we go to a big chamber? Look at the, this is the brooch of the gods. I can use it as a spear. 
ah, oh, it's just so good. And you just get a bunch of big actors just talking about stupid shit on a boat, and everyone looks like they're dehydrated because they're all sweaty and glossy. It's so cool. And when you're doing like an Olympus story or just anything in like the mythologies, you have to make it look a certain way. And I can completely understand how this sweeps you up into the world and you feel something because it did that for me. Hera was awesome. Todd Armstrong was awesome. Freaking skeletons and Poseidon were awesome. Everything about this story came together well. It's dumb, but perfect in every aspect of the word. I cannot stop thinking about it. I'll be thinking about it long after I'm dead. Don't know how that's possible, but it's just that kind of movie where Jason and the Argonauts leaves you with such a great taste in your mouth. You're like, give me more of this. I want to see Clash of the Titans again. I want all of this, but it just give it to me, you know? Oh, it's cool. I love a good skeleton, man. What can you not like about this? A bunch of sweaty dudes in robes just throwing shit at a statue, and then a cute girl comes along, and suddenly... They're getting married. I'm like, yeah, movies. Jason the Argonauts, I'd say it's a perfect film, but you'd probably not believe me. But it is. It's fantastic. The Barefoot Contessa. That's right, folks. This marks a lot of number twos for us on this channel. It's our second Mankiewicz picture. It's our second Gardner picture, or is it the third Gardner picture? I can't remember, but it's also the second Bogey which is kind of exciting. I, I just, I saw this on TCM one night. I said, it's time to watch. I put it on the PVR and had a great time. This is one of those rare films with Bogey in particular I haven't really experienced before. It's always been on my radar. I've always known about its existence because it's kind of based on true events. They took inspiration from Rita Hayworth, from the real life of Ava Gardner. And something about that I just, connected with and I was like I'll get to it eventually I decided it's time to do it and what better way to do it than to talk about it on this show because here's the thing this is a really fun film I'm not gonna sit here and tell you it's my favorite of Mankiewicz or my favorite of Gardner or of Bogey but just seeing them all work together is very impressive and yes of course there's the behind the scenes drama where Gardner and Bogey hate each other but come on Bogey hates everybody Gardner deserves better you, we get the story it's his oldest time but it's also the type of story I love to see. This movie in particular is straight up my cup of tea for this old style of filmmaking. It's like, come on, if I want to see something that does so many different stuff in terms of filmography, you go here. It's an OR film, it's a romance film, it's an epic, it's a biography. It's taking all these opportunities to tell these unique and different stories with this one woman, and it's very cool. So we are following the lives of Maria Vargas. She is this popular dancer out there on the other side of the world. And we see a couple of producers from Hollywood want to pick her up and bring her to Hollywood, make a couple of pictures, baby, and then she falls out of favor with the producer goes across the world, meets a nice, lovely man, becomes a contessa after she marries a count, and she dies. And you're like, ooh, what is that? And, and the way this movie is structured is surprisingly interesting because you're like, okay, you have Bogey as, like, the central lead. He's the director, writer of the pictures that this woman's going to be starring in. And he's essentially the father figure, which I'm like, that is a big shift where you don't really feel like he would go that route. Because this is around the time of Sabrina, and in Sabrina, he still gets with Audrey at the end, even though he's like an old man. And here, he's like, I think, 54 in real life. He's going to die a couple years after the release of this film. 
and he's com he's like willing to be the older man which is very fascinating to see and a very cool idea for him because he's good at it and again we could spend countless hours talking about bogey and his work but Humphrey Bogart just has this certain energy about him that is undisputable it is gruff no one has his voice and the way he is kind of just like willing to play the older man here is very impressive it looks like he's genuinely excited which is a sign of good acting because it sounds like he had a terrible time working on this movie but the way he's just like smiles when he sees this woman is willing to play into her favor look like an older man be kind of silly at times be kind of like the joke have the younger actors be his boss it's kind of shocking he's not like in control because people that talk down to him it's kind of beautiful. It's kind of just really fun to see him take control of that. And there is like the narration from him. He is like the central figure in her life. The one she confides in, the one she trusts. But he's also not like the lover of her. She has one mate. Well, she has a couple like secret lovers throughout the piece. That's kind of the thing is that Maria is this woman who has this need to be royal, to be special in terms of like a princess where she wants to have her prince charming doesn't know how to find that doesn't find it in the right men and when she thinks she finds the right men like her count at the end he can't perform certain duties which all oh, that scene at the end of the movie where we see uh, what's his name it's uh vincino is just trying to explain to her what happened to him in the war and how he can love her with all of his heart but parts of his heart he cannot love her with and she understands that to mean a certain thing and that means that he cannot have children with her and then she seeks the company of another man to have the child with and it leads to her death I'm like fuck dude that's some good shit like i love that it is so powerful and amazing and like yeah this woman through every single act of this movie and every single scene she's and every single scene she's a part of is struggling to learn this idea of like what does she want to be happy she has everything she never wanted which is a real line ava gardner said about her actual life where she was kind of forced into a position that gave her everything but it's not what she truly wanted what she truly wanted was this thing that she could never have and that's where the real life stuff comes in and maybe that's why ava gardner connects so well to this role look i love ava i i don't know if she's my girl of this era she's not not my girl of this era she's so stunning in this and when they put her in some beautiful dresses she looks amazing. The big one with the pink collar is so gorgeous when she's doing like the belly dancing. She's so stunning and beautiful. And she just has like a certain energy of this woman who is in control of every scene she's a part of while also still maintaining like a youthful bliss, which she has. that's of the time when you're in the 50s. That is how women are written in here. But it's still very cool to see. And she gets so much to do more than you would expect. And the way they just set her up, like just starting off in, in, in like Italy and she is just this beautiful girl. The entire world is obsessed with looking at her. We don't reveal her, but everyone's just watching her on stage dance. She doesn't talk to the customers. And when Bogey goes backstage to talk to her, we just her introduction with the feet, which is her theme where it's just her being connected to her roots, connected to the ground, being in a situation where she is playful and happy. That's what all that means. That's a really good moment. Because this girl, she just wants to be loved. And having Ava play that perfectly defines her character. It's very impressive.
she's so stunning. She is so stunning in this film. You buy every scene she's in. There's just like keep it up with the Joneses aspect of her where every little action she makes is going to impact her career later. The, like one of my favorite scenes in this movie is just like some of like one of the other narrators. I think it's Edmund O'Brien's character, Oscar, who's just describing how when she goes to testify for her father killing her mother and everyone's like, yeah, this girl just perfectly gets what she can do, and we're just going to listen to her explain this situation. I'll be on her side even though her father murdered a man, and we're all going to buy it and believe it, and that's just the power of a beautiful woman, which is exactly the theme of this movie. This beautiful woman who, by all accounts, is used by all the men in her life for certain things, and when she doesn't act the way they perceive her to act, they lash out and try to like, get rid of her. You see Kirk Edwards does that when she is you know, suddenly wants to be in favor with him he ruins his life bogey is the one that tells her you can't do certain things trying not to control her but just to tell her like i this is what you got to do you can't act a certain way in the positions you're in and even just finding the arms of her lover while her count comes to hunt her down it is terrifying and kind of honest in that way and that's the, that's the thing look I know some people might not get it, but the power of a beautiful woman can manipulate and control a lot of men to act a certain way. And when that woman is not what you're thinking, men can go crazy and do some irrational, intense, very annoying things. But you know what? Through all of that, this film is just brilliant. It has like some weird meta narrative about Hollywood or Bogues like, if this was one of my scripts, I'd slam a drink or I'd throw it in her face. But this is real life and in real life there's chaos and... That's a really good narration. Edward O'Brien has the, I guess, second narration aspect of things. There's a couple narrators in this. But his is just weird because his relationship is just kind of like the PR team for Kirk Edwards and then for later on the South American ruler of whatever. And he's just kind of like a weird role to throw in this. He's the one that wins the Academy Award for this film. And I buy that. Not only is it like the most funny role, because you're getting a guy who is an expert in comedy and willing to play off certain things like that. But he has a great physicality, great timing. I think the scene that would win you the award is the way he's talking on the phone where Ava and Bogey are, are on the other line and they know about like what happened to the mother and the father and everything going on there. And he is just reacting in one continuous take with the pauses that the people on the other line are talking to him. Subtlety is so good there and it's so brilliant that he is given so much to do beautiful absolutely beautiful performance i don't hate a single performance in this movie one of my favorite characters is jerry who is bogey's wife in this she shows up for maybe three scenes is just the star because she's like a woman who is commanding the room almost in a way that we never see maria vargas do where she is just comfortable enough to know she has nothing to worry about she's not worried that bogey's gonna go over there and kiss maria she just knows like hey this is a girl that he wants to help because she needs someone to guide her and, like, that's kind of brilliant and kind of subtle. And I love that they actually built, like, a really big statue of Maria Vargas or Ava Gardner in the bare feet. And then in real life, Frank Sinatra bought it. Like, what the fuck, dude? That's your ex-wife. It's so bizarre. But I, I just respect it for that. And everything works. The dialogue is so sharp. It's kind of meta about Hollywood. It understands how, like, these romantic relationships play out. We see the struggles of this woman just come more vibrant and lively. And how she's trying to connect in this world. It does a really smart thing of not actually showing us the pictures she's a part of. It just shows us they have impact. She's a star. The world wants to see her because she's so striking and beautiful. This foreign beauty that as the story progresses, 
Ava gives a more Caucasian performance at the very beginning. She definitely has like an accent to her. And yes, let's be real. She's not like the most Spanish looking woman. But then as it progresses, she just becomes the goddess. And yes, the other South American and Italian men don't really look the part, but it's the 50s. You can't change that. We can't go back and fix it. It's just there. I think this film is really strong. It has so much going for it. A beautiful story of three separate men telling their relationship to this woman after her death, how she wanted to fall in love, how she wanted to be happy, the, the lengths she would go to for that happiness, while still telling this really weird, incestuous story about how deranged Hollywood is. I'm like, that's perfect. Bogey giving a very happy performance where he's smiling, he's giddy. He's like, I'm 54. Might as well enjoy what I'm doing here. People are still going to come to see me for this, so... It's good. It's strong. It's awesome. I really liked this. It worked well. A great Gardner film, way better than Cleopatra, and something that makes me happy. And that's all you really need. The Barefoot Contessa, a beautiful love story, a beautiful Hollywood story. Gardner is stunning. Bogey is phenomenal. Edmund O'Brien, Academy Award winner for this thing. Definitely worth checking out. Definitely a fun picture. <laughs> Well, it's a new year, and with a new year comes new movies for us to talk about on Movie Tales, where we can also wear our Galactic Tales merch. Isn't that amazing? Awesome stuff. It's 2023, folks. The new year is upon us, which means we got a whole new year of movies we can talk about on this. But before that, I wanted to do a new year special, like a series of movies, just group some together that I want to talk about because they matter to me, and I think it's just really fun to experience film this way. So we're talking about two very important movies in some aspects. Neither of them were financial successes. The thing about these movies, though, is they are kind of like the forefathers of what came after it. You pretty much don't get modern science fiction without the one movie. You pretty much don't get Star Wars or big space epics without the other. We, of course, are talking about Valerian and the City of a Thousand Planets, and Disney's John Carter. Two films about classic science fiction stories that inspire everything that comes before it that don't do well at the box office. Now, there's a lot of reasons for that, of course. The problem with both of those movies is the generation that this was aimed for grew up with a bunch of other movies that emulated what they were doing before it was done. So when you are making a Valerian movie in 2017, you have new Star Wars, you have Marvel, you have all these other things already succeeding, an audience isn't going to care. When you are in the early 2010s and you have John Carter, well, we've seen every movie be made that John Carter inspired, so you're not doing anything new. The thing about both these movies, though, and I want to make this abundantly clear to everyone listening, they're awesome. I love both these movies. They're not perfect, we'll get into it, but I think they are both really fun, really engaging, and make me happy. So, let's start with Valerian and the City of a Thousand Planets. Arguably, one of the most complicated movies to talk about when you talk about science fiction. I know that's like a really weird thing to say, but getting into this one is kind of an intense problem, because it's like, okay... Luc Besson's kind of weird. The movie is based off like a French comic book that ran for decades. You have controversial leads in it today. How do you get into this movie? And how do I say that I like it so much? 
it's weird. And to me, one of the biggest problems the Valerian movie has is this isn't a movie made for an American audience. I know that's very weird to say, and it kind of hurts, because yes, foreign films can like move over, become big staples, but you have Bassan, who is a director with an image. That image doesn't work in 2010, and like the filmmaking techniques he uses don't feel like they are always going to appeal to a wider audience. It's so specific, and that can drive some people away from the actual property, and I think that was the case with Valerian. It's like, okay, this is based off a comic book I never heard of with a director I don't really like who's made very controversial things. The movie's really weirdly written and structured, and it doesn't set itself up to be like a really good narrative flow. But saying all that, every time I watch this movie, and I've seen this movie a lot. I think I've seen it more in theaters than anybody alive. I've seen it four times in theaters. I did a back-to-back-to-back-to-back when it came out. I really like this movie. I think it's just it's just good. It's interesting. It's creative. It's trying to be like this expansive universe on a tight budget, giving you all this stuff. It's it's giving you a bunch of like narratives that we've seen inside of other Valerian comic books. And it, it's like right at the cusp when we're not making these anymore. Valerian is kind of like the last gasp of like, oh, we're going to make a zany blockbuster that's going to be very specific and not for everyone. When that's done, we don't make them anymore because they all bomb. And that's why we get formulaic shit like we have today. The thing is though, like you watching this movie, you really see what makes this franchise the predis- like the thing that everyone is inspired by. Like you get the homages to Star Wars that are in there. You feel it all coming out perfectly. So Valerian is actually a character in this universe. He it, this the comic book is Valerian and Laureline, but you know, I guess Valerian's just an easier sell. And we have Dane DeHaan and Cara Delevingne, two actors who are very interesting for a role like this. Dane DeHaan always seems like he's being primed up to be a lead in a movie like this. Kara makes sense. Now, here's the part where it's going to be very controversial, is their acting. In particular, Dane DeHaan is given, like, tasked with doing a certain voice that feels very, like, deathly and stoic, and there's no expression to it, but that's what he's trying to do. That is what he's being directed to do. It's like, hey, have no emotion, but still try to play yourself off as like this bachelor carefree guy trying to get with Laureline at every scene. And that is that is it. Like, Kara is doing fine with what she is given. I'm always mixed on her as an actor because she can either give you something great or something very bad. In this movie, I really like her. I like their outfits. I like when we first meet them on the beach. It's very fun. I like when they're wearing their big space mech suits. It's very cool. When they go to big market and they're just wearing like hipster clothing, I love it. It's great. They're special agents working for the galactic, you know, whatever, you get it. And they're just going about their day doing missions. And you're like, this is awesome. I love, like, this is the stuff I like. We have like a huge spaceship with a thousand planets. There's like five million species on it. There's literally like aquatic water bases and gaseous spaces. Just people living in like this symbiotic relationship on this big thing hurtling through space that's just growing as a collective. I'm like, that is so cool. That is awesome. And you're telling me maybe the humans aren't the good guys? I'm like, no shit. 
Of course we're the bad guys. I like it because the movie starts, it's, you know, like the ground control to Major Tom song, and we're seeing the evolution of the International Space Station throughout time. It's growing, it's growing, it's growing, and then boom, we have aliens aboard, and then boom, humans become the galactic law, and you're like, oh yeah, that makes sense because we're assholes, and we would do that, wouldn't we? That's all great. And I also, like, the things that make you go, oh yeah, this is not going to be a movie for every person, are just, like, the weird way it does alien stuff. We've seen other alien movies where it, like, makes sense, like, they just look different, they don't use weird stuff. When we we're introduced to the planet Mole in this movie, it's these kind of just, like, anamorphic, white-skinned creatures who have this, like, perfect society in this paradise they feed a pearl to like this weird dog thing it starts to shake and it multiplies pearls that they spin out and they put down like a tube and then they take one of the pearls from the tube and they give it to like a like a volcano and like it feeds the planet and you're like that is so specific and very science fiction in like not like a big galactic dune kind of way just like this is so weird who is that for or it's like, hey, we have to go hunt a whale in the ocean that has a specific jellyfish on it that bonds to you. And then when you put it on your head, it could try to kill you, but it's going to give you the memories of the person you're thinking about so you can see where they end up. And you're like, what? Okay. Again, I love th I love that stuff because it's just like, we're not doing that enough. Like, we're not getting like, this is a specific creature we need. We're going to have like three little dwarven freaks walk up like, well, actually what you need is to go here and get this, but we're going to have to pay you for it. And it's like, I love that. That is so cool and fun and spe specific and dumb. It's awesome. And that's the stuff I like. Like, these alien designs are just so over the top. I love that every single gun a species uses does something different like there's one that shoots metal balls there's a kid that's got like a ping pong gun there's one that just shoots goo and it encapsulates you in goo and i'm like that's cool i want more of that give me some goo stuff it's sick and then they go to a, a place called big market which is just like a desert holographic market in another dimension and you can like put a device on your arm that goes in between the dimensions so you can get things in real life and bring them back. And you're like, that is so cool and dumb. Why don't people like this? And I'm like, it's just cool. Like a big chase sequence. You're falling down a bunch of flights of stairs. You know how cool it is? You know how cool it is? When we get like the shot of Valerian in his big suit running straight through the target, going through all the different like cities inside the big planet spaceship. That's so cool. Like that is such a awesome detail to see it just makes for something completely unique and fun i love every second of that and i know dehan delavine don't have the best connection and maybe their acting is a little stiff but that's what they're being told to do and i do think their flirtation kind of works where she clearly likes him throughout the entire piece but she's also like come on you're going to have to do better than just, like, being your casual whatever you are to actually get with me and, like, love me. I'm not going to fall for that shit. And he does learn a lesson in the end about sacrificing for the greater good. He does. He learns a lesson. Kara is kind of the one that already has the lesson figured out because, of course, she does. I, I like her. I think she is given some weird roles and has done some weird stuff every now and then. But she works for a, a science fiction property like this where it's like, what if we just, like, put her in a big hat? And, like, someone's going to try to eat her head. Like, I, I get that. I think that works fine. It's very cool. 
man, they're, they're just doing so much. Like, okay, so the big market stuff's like our bur- first big action sequence, and then boom, we get back, and then it's like, oh, actually, these creatures from Mold that are like want the device that we had to get a big market we have to chase them down then we get a big spaceship scene and we're like okay that's another one then we put the jellyfish on her head and you're like okay this is where valerian went now we have to go find him and then he finds us and then we get kidnapped by fishing people with butterflies on hooks and we get captured by them and then it's like oh i need to get a clamopod who can pretend to be one of the creatures we have to infiltrate to get laureline so this is where Rihanna comes in. <laughs> You're like, oh yeah, okay. Weakest part of the movie, in my opinion. Not a necessary scene, but come on. You have Ethan Hawke like, hey, I'm like a weird space pimp cowboy son of a bitch. You want to see something sexy? Look at my Rihanna fish. And you go into, we literally stopped the movie dead in its tracks for like five minutes. And Rihanna does like a sexy number where she's like cabaret. She is dressed up in tribal outfits. She's a cowboy. She's skipping rope in one of them. And you're like, this is sexy and hot, but what the fuck are we doing right now? Can't we like get back to the actual story? And then we do. And then we get a big fight with the people that captured Laureline. And then they die. And then Bubbles dies. That's Rihanna. She dies big like the blood is really like all the action looks really fun but that's not where the story ends we have to go save the moles and we go do that because clive owen's evil because he was like i'm gonna protect humanity because we are the number one in the world and he's got big robots called katrons and you're like okay okay so we did about five big action sequences have met about a hundred different species have done so many separate stories that could work better and we're still going to do this plot and we are going to like get mole and we're going to make them better and everyone's going to be happy and it works and we, we stop clive owen you're like damn son we're really going for this like it's it's so ambitious and it's so much going on, but the visual effects are fine for 2017. The writing is iffy, but again, it's like that French stylistic choice where it's like, this is how we present it. You know, if this was a strictly American production with no other like attachments to source material from another country, it would be written differently. But just knowing where it comes from, it's doing a good job of presenting what it is saying. And I do like that a lot. Rudger Hauer makes an appearance as the president of the world. For some reason, he shows up for a couple seconds. And I'm like, yes, I like that. The costumes are great. The practical effects are great. Big budgeted science fiction property that we haven't attempted yet. And it worked well, but audiences didn't like it. And I know why I can understand why. It's hard to do this much all at once and have everybody care about everything going on. And when you are given such an interesting performance from Dane DeHaan in particular, it's very hard to pinpoint that as like a lead character. But I love every second of this. I will defend this movie forever. It is trying to do something we don't do after it. I appreciate that. So many great sequences. I just love the... I. I really like the introduction to Valerian and Laureline in this movie. I think just them on the beach, he's trying to be flirty. They're getting a little, like, fun together. And then just snaps back, like, okay, we're on a mission. Let's go do it. I like that. I think it's a great introduction to that world. It is kind of feisty in that way. Works great. The stuff that doesn't work great, well, you know, the CG sometimes doesn't hold up. And the Rayana plot's a little bit weird, but come on. Who doesn't want to put a big jellyfish on their head because some squid-feathered freaks show up to tell you to do it? It's awesome. It's awesome. And Valerian is a strong movie with a lot of cool characters. 
Really dig it. Check it out. But you know what else is a really good movie? Is John Carter. This is from 2012, right in the era where Disney's like, we have to make stuff for boys. So we're going to try The Load Ranger. We're going to try doing Tron again. We're going to try... I think there was like another one in the mix there, but they also did John Carter, a property they bought. Andrew Stanton directed this, who did a lot of like the stuff for Pixar. Live action movie based on one of the original science fiction stories from Edgar Rice Burroughs. I watched it the other night. I still think it's good. I still love it. Like, not as weird as Valerian, but it's still a really fun movie. The characters are cool. The graphics are fun. It looks like a Frazetta piece of art in a lot of instances. We'll get into it, but this movie opens up kind of weird where Edgar Rice Burroughs is a character in it and he is given like a letter from his uncle like, hey, come see me. Uncle's dead. I'm going to have a book for you to read. This is my life story. Here it is. And then we do the John Carter thing. I'm like, that is a very interesting way to start this movie. I don't hate that that's how we're starting it. It's just a very specific way to start this movie, and it's working good. And then it's like, hey, here's Taylor Kitsch. He was the hotness at the time, doing a really good job of, with what he's given. He's a prospector. He's going to go find some gold, finds this weird guy that tries to kill him with Brian Cranston for some reason. Then, boom, he's transported to Mars, and the movie can unfold. It's that, it's that simple. It's 1913 when the first John Carter story comes out. It's that simple. You find a weird amulet, you go to Mars. It's easy. And then what unfolds is very John Carter. Now, here's the thing I want to mention before we get into this. When it came to Valerian, I had no previous attachment to that story. I have gone back and seen some of it, and I think it's very cool. John Carter is something that's been in my household for a long time. My grandfather is one of the guys who has gotten me into a lot of like these older niche science fiction things. John Carter was his guy. I've always known about John Carter. I've always known about Barsoon and Dejah Thoris and all of that world. So when this movie came out, I already knew enough about it to understand where we had to go. And I think the movie does a pretty good job of capturing the essence of what those books are. They are like this epic adventure in this new world of these alien species doing like this fun combative stuff it captures that well taylor kitsch is doing as best as he can with what he is given and i think it's a pretty good job that he's doing there so when he's on mars i love that we spend the time to figure out how to jump like yeah the gravity's different we have to build that up it works he's found by willem dafoe who i forgot was in this as the Jeddak of the, what are the name of the, I can't remember their names, but you know, like the Martian people of the cool tusk that fight each other. They treat him like a little baby. He builds himself up and he, they actually realize he's so strong. Well, then we can use him to fight. And that's all cool. I'm like, that's a good story. Fish out of water. Guy comes to a planet. It's really cool. The Mars effects look really good. Yes, they just filmed it in Utah, but it still looks really cool. They do enough to make it different where it's like, oh, that's kind of like aesthetically different in color. The tone's a little off. The The design of the aliens, again, it's classic. It looks perfect and really good. Now, I think the biggest like controversy this film could have coming out of it is the presentation of Dejah Thoris. This is a character who, if you read any of the books, is sometimes presented in a certain light. And I get that. She has a lot of her own books separate from the John Carter stuff, so she's allowed to grow and be her own character. Lil Collins, 
not the choice I would have picked for this. She just might be a little too plain, milk toast kind of guy. And I, I get that. It was 2012. We weren't really looking at certain things. But she is given a little bit more than you're thinking. Like, yes, she wears something similar to the classic Deja Thoris attire, which is not a lot of attire. But she's also like, she doesn't want to get married to this guy. And like, that's a simple story. We've seen that a million times. There's nothing wrong with that. She's kind of like a scientific advisor on Barsoon in Helium. And she's like, okay, I like that. Okay, she can play that up. She can figure out some things, give them an alternative energy source. But it's like, no, you have to marry this guy because then it's going to bring the planet together. Okay, she's literally working on something that could, stop that from happening so let her do that baby it it works well i think it's great and she reasonably falls in love with john carter again it's kind of forced but you get it he's like a guy that isn't like okay i don't want to marry you because it's going to align the planet you're hot look at us figure this shit out i'm not from here let's just get this going okay like let's solve the day it's working well the thing is, like, it's right in that era, again, where action blockbusters are becoming the big thing. I think this movie has some really, really incredible action in it. It, it looks so good. Some specific moments I really like. I really enjoy, like, the first attack where Deja tries to escape her husband's thrall and John comes in to save her and then he just, like, destroys some of the ships. Everyone's fighting each other, taking each other down. That looked really cool. I love the sequence when Carter is like attacked by another type of like the Martians that are trying to kill him. And it looks like a Frazetta painting where it's just this guy going ballistic with his dog, fighting a bunch of creatures, just slashing them, killing them all until he's like the last thing standing. That looks so good when he's just going through the emotion of like, I lost my wife and I lost my daughter. I need to let this anger out because I've been escaping it my whole life. I have to feel it now. I'm going to feel it here. Oh, it is so powerful. I do like the fight in the gladiatorial pit. I love a good pit. You know, I, like it's been played to death. John Carter was doing it first. If we're being realistic here. A good pit sequence is awesome. John Carter has a good one where everyone's just like, okay, let's send out two big apes and see how he does. And he does win. And then he kills the leader. And you're like, okay, he's starting a revolution. Okay, movies are freaking sweet. Like, what else do you really need? Honestly, like it's John Carter. You understand the specifics. I don't understand why this bombed. I really don't. Like it's it's hitting all the beats that this type of story needs to. It's very weird that nobody like connected with it in that way. I don't understand that. Is it because like the Martians look kind of silly sometimes? It doesn't look any worse than anything else we've seen in that era. So Zola is definitely the one that was given the most detail, I guess because of like the burns in her skin and the way that she's able to portray her physicality throughout most of the film it does look really good the costuming again it's very classic it is very the early Burroughs stuff we're looking at like these perfect line works and details but everyone's also like shirtless and showing some nipple and everyone's just like got their legs and their thighs shown it's like this is what you want they're do they're doing it they're doing the thing that is John Carter and when you're a young person you don't know that I understand that Again, me being a young guy and knowing about the world of Barsoom is not a normal thing. So I, I knew what that was. But if I'm talking to like my friends, do you think they've read a Deja Thoris book? 
probably not. So I don't under I just I understand why it bombed. I don't understand why it bombed, if that makes sense. Because it's like a perfect combination of everything. Like you got aliens fighting each other on big ships that look like they're from Jabba's palace. You're trying to stop a wedding Shrek style where he's just barging in, taking names. Everyone's going to a fight. You have weird blue technology from the Therns where it's like we can shapeshift and give control of this weird gooey device that just shoots people ambiguously to do whatever. It's like, it looks cool. It's well done. Siren Hines is in this for some reason as the dad. And you always forget that this guy is just a good actor. Just like, you have to marry him. I have nothing else to do. I'm sorry. I'm trying. I am trying. And it's such a good way. He's like, I don't want this for my daughter. This guy, Mr. John Carter, he seems like a decent bloke. Screw it. You want to marry him? Go ahead. Okay, this guy tried to kill us. Let's get out of this. So many big action sequences, so many just perfect painted moments that look like they're classic science fiction artwork. This movie just gets it right. You know, it understands like, okay, it's a hard concept, kind of. The guy can travel between two worlds. Let's let's take a minute and explain that to you. It's a telegraph. And you're like, oh man, it's making a copy of him. So his body on earth is still dead. So when he comes back after like, a long time of being there and he awakens in the cave where he first fell through his body and his bones have to like crack back awake that is such a specific detail i love i adore that detail so much that his body is just like barely hanging on but it's not dead it's in like this weird state of just like arrested development what a niche dumb cool sick thing it did this movie it just made me smile and i know i know it's it's silly and it doesn't hold up perfectly, but come on. Fish out of water comes to this planet, is treated as a baby, learns he is valuable, tries to help a princess, and you know, suddenly he's just like avenging the world, leading a war, taking names, kicking ass. It's Star Wars. It is Star Wars, you know? It's everything like that. It's got the Dune vibes too. You definitely feel like, hey, we're on a big sandy planet where there's a bunch of rocks and look at these freaks just fighting for this one thing. It's like the planet. It's kind of cool. I do like the sequences where it's like in the river because the water, it looks really nice. Again, of course, there's no water on Mars, right? You know, it's kind of cool. And they're just like, okay, why are you talking about the water? We don't have water. It's cool. I, I just... I want more of this, if that makes sense. I've always wanted another John Carter thing to exist. Even a Deja Thoris, like, Disney Plus series, I think, could work if they still have the rights to that universe. But it bombs so hard, we may never attempt to do this again. But it's like, why not? No, we're te it's the plot of just everything you've seen. Here's the guy that comes in. He leads a rebellion, takes down the bad guys, gets to marry the princess. And then he's like, hey, nephew. All of that is true. People, by the time you're reading the book I wrote for you, somebody might be plotting to kill me. Go outside and check. What a, oh, that is so cool. It's so specifically dumb, but I love that where it's like, hey, nephew, I could be dead now. Please go make sure I'm not dead right now. <laughs> oh, that's oh, great. John Carter is great. The acting, it's fine. The romance, it's fine. But the graphics and the story and the way, like so many just beautiful still images are awesome 
I want this, man. Like, this is the science fiction stuff I like where it's just so classic and it feels old school and has so much just, like, interesting developments that could go on through it and all the sets look beautiful and Mark Strong appears in it for some reason. Remember that Mark Strong era where he's just like, I will do every supporting role I get because I am so distinctive in my face. You're going to know it's me and I'm great at doing that. Because you could easily see how him and Willem Dafoe could have switched roles in this. And then we'd have Mark Strong as like the Jeddak and his daughter would be Sola and all that. And then Willem Dafoe would be like the third who's like, yeah, I'm a creepy son of a bitch. I love that Dafoe's like, I'm going to be the four-armed freak. That's me. And we're going to learn to to fly and get on ships and we're going to shoot people down. We're all going to have a great freaking time. Everyone's going to love us for this. How cool is the world? How cool is society? Ah, Sean Carter. Great movie. Great movie. I love both of these movies a lot. I know they bombed. I know they're not for everyone. But this is my type of science fiction. Classic, weird, strangely romantic in all the wrong ways, but feels so right at the time. Just awesome designs for animals and creatures in a world you don't understand. Just having it feel like it's from a time before we had Star Wars. And that's what I like to see. The fact that they set the Earth stuff in the 1800s and didn't modernize it, that's impressive to me. That is impressive to me. So if I had to pick one out of the two of these I recommend to watch, John Carter's an easier, like, watch, I guess. But Valerian, I think, has better, like, visual effects. Both movies are awesome, and I, I highly recommend watching them in the context of, like, if this existed when nothing else did, if we didn't have Marvel or Star Wars or Star Trek or any of these bigger science fiction properties and you just had these our worldview would look very different in terms of what science fiction could be on film. That's what I, that's the context I want you to see these in and just understand we have two actors in Dahan and in Kitsch who we tried to make something, we didn't make it work, but come on, we could try both of these again and maybe get something good. I like both of these movies, but I think we could try again, maybe get a little bit better. So that is going to do it for this New Year's special of Galactic Tales. No, thank you guys for watching this video. Be sure to like and subscribe to the channel. As always, you can check me out on Instagram, TikTok, and Hive, and I will catch you in the next one. Have fun, stay safe, good luck.